Welcome to the Prosperity Gap, where we discuss the financial gap that exists between you and your retirement. It's time to bridge that gap. Hello, hello, hello. Dave Hall, the Prosperity Guy here. Welcome to the Prosperity Gap. If you're serious about getting to a tax-free and risk-free retirement, you are in the right place. My team and I are here to help you better understand the risk facing your retirement. If you've not done so yet, please go to our website where you'll be able to get access to all of the various tools that we have available to help you better understand your retirement and educate yourself in a way that you'll be able to get to that safe and secure retirement you're looking for. Most of us have driven cars for the majority of our lives. And when we first started driving these cars, there were a number of features on the car that we weren't familiar with, but either a driving instructor or our parents helped us figure out the basic tools that were inside the car to help us more efficiently drive the car, to be safer, and to also have more comfort inside of the car. There are certain things that you didn't really ever learn. There were things that were never taught when you went through the process. And so years later, many people found that they learned things about their car that they didn't know. And that happened definitely with me. There were a number of things that as I continued to drive and get more familiar with the way vehicles worked, I realized were there to help me be a more efficient driver or better understand things that my car was trying to tell me. One of those I learned at a pretty young age, but it did take me a while to understand, and that's that you could tilt the rearview mirror in your car. So if you were driving at night and someone was tailgating you, shining their lights in your car, that you could tilt that mirror so that the lights weren't so bright, that you could more easily drive. Another one was the color coding that goes on under the hood. Now, when I was younger, we had a lot of older cars. There was not a lot of color coding going on. But as we look at many of the newer cars, they're going to tell you where water should go. It's going to maybe be a blue cap for your water or the fluid that's going to go into your windshield washers. You're going to have maybe a yellow cap that's going to tell you where your oil goes all kinds of different colors going on to help you better identify things that you should be checking so that you can keep your car running the way that it should. Another one was for the gas cap design. If you look at your gas cover, and most of you have probably figured this out, if you were to open it up where you put the gas in, the cover is designed to hold the cap. So as you're filling up the car, you can put the cap in that holder and then put it back in where it goes, close up the cover and take off once you get the car filled. Well, again, most of these I learned at a fairly early age, but it wasn't until a few years ago that I learned there was another thing that most cars have that will tell you what side of the car you need to fill it up with if you go to a gas station. About five years ago, when I started renting a lot of cars for work because I was traveling, what I found is I was always uncertain on what side of the gas pump I needed to pull up on. As I was talking to someone one day, they said, well, Dave, it's really simple. Your car tells you what side. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I have no idea that the car has anything of the nature. Well, if you look on the fuel gauge, if you're looking at the car, there's an arrow. And that arrow tells you which side of the car that you should be filling the car up on. That's where the gas tank's going to be. Well, obviously, this was a great revelation for me, especially with all the rental cars I've driven over the last five years. Saved me a lot of time and uncertainty of trying to get out and figure out what side of the gas pump I should be pulling up to. Well, why do I tell you this story? Because I believe that many of you have 401k plans that you don't really understand how they work. Today, I want to talk about a few of the concepts that many people are unfamiliar with. And I know this because in our meetings, these are questions that many people bring up that I want to address so that we can help you better understand how that 401k works and so you can do your part 
to magnify that benefit and to get the most out of it. But before we do, let's go ahead and take a minute for, for a word from our sponsor. Today's show is being brought to you by eTrends Group, CPAs and Strategic Advisors. If you are tired of the struggles that come with trying to manage your own taxes, accounting, or bookkeeping, then you need to reach out and let the professionals at eTrends Group give you a hand. Learn more about their services and how they can help you with your common and not-so-common financial problems. Go to www.etrendsgroup.com. When we look at our 401k plans, there's a lot of things we understand. Most of us understand that they're designed to contribute money into. Most of us understand the limits that go into those. But what we don't understand is how a lot of the inner workings of a 401k happen. Today, I'm going to cover various aspects of these 401ks to help you better understand some of the things that you could do to maximize your benefit from these plans. First one I want to talk about here is the employer contribution. Now, most companies are going to have some type of contribution that the employer is going to put in on your behalf. Some of them are 100% of a percentage of revenue. Some are maybe 50% of a percentage of revenue for a given percentage. Well, that percentage is something that you should be taking advantage of. Many people will leave money on the table by not contributing up to the max or the match contribution amount. It's really in your best interest to take advantage because this is an immediate 100% return on your investment. If you've got a 100% match or it's a 50% return, if you've only got a 50% match on some of the contributions going in. So please figure out from your employer, if you've not done so already, what the maximum amount they will contribute in for you, and then do your best to get your contribution up to the level that you can get that maximum contribution from your employer to help you continue to grow those assets that you're going to need for that longest self-imposed period of unemployment most of you are going to have in your lifetime. The second one is regarding fees. Many times we ignore the fees inside of a 401k because we don't see them all the time. Our company ends up putting the plan together. Therefore, we oftentimes don't see the details of the fees. You need to check this out. Now, some plans are designed where those fees can be very comparable to what you would be paying in outside investments. I've seen a number of other 401k plans where those fees are substantial. If you've got a 401k plan that has substantial fees, you're not going to want to put any more money into this plan than your employer match because you're not going to want to have to incur these additional fees in a, an environment where if you had it outside of the company, you would be able to pay lower fees. These fees are very important uh, as we look at overall returns. A 1% or 2% additional fee could end up costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars in your retirement savings when you get to those 70s, 80s, 90s when you're starting to pull that money out. So Go to your employer, your HR department, find out what the fees are associated with your plan so you can compare those with other assets that you have available. The next one is the Roth option. Now, we're seeing more and more 401k plans that are being designed with a Roth option. But because Roths are so new, many of these plans were designed before Roth was something that people were recommending especially when we look at it now where we have a period of historically low tax rates and we're expecting taxes to go up substantially in the future, more and more people are contemplating the Roth contribution. If your plan does not have one or if you're uncertain whether or not your plan is built and designed with a Roth option, you should go to your HR department to find out. And then if they don't, ask them if there's something they could do to implement that because it is a perfect time for you to start making contributions that are tax-free 
rather than tax deferred. This generally is not that hard of a process for companies to go back and amend their documents, but it may require you or maybe a group of you, if you want to get others behind you in your company, to promote this change for the company to go forward and incur the small costs that would be associated with implementing a Roth option into your plan. But it's something that all of you should have and definitely something as we look to the future that we need to be looking at more closely when we consider the high tax rates that I believe we're going to have over the next decade or so. The other one is getting money out of your 401k. This is something that many people don't understand. And there's some strategies here too. The normal way most people get money out of their 401k is to borrow money out of it. There's a $50,000 borrowing limit that you can take money out of your 401k or usually up to 50% of the account value if you don't have $100,000 in value inside of there. And then you've got a payback schedule. Well, a couple of problems here is if you're pulling the money out of there, it's not growing inside of the plan. And number two, once you get to retirement, those loans all have to be paid back within a 60-day period of time. So generally not the recommendation from a retirement risk advisor of the direction you should take in getting money out of these plans. The other option is in-service distributions, but this is another area where many plans have not been designed to allow you to take money out as long as you're working for the company. Now, some of them will allow you to start taking it out at age 59 and a half, but this is something you should also talk to your HR about to figure out what's going on and what the options are for you. And if you don't have in-service distribution options, see if there's anything you can do to encourage the company to change the plan to allow those to happen. Because what we're finding is that many people have so much money built up inside of these plans, but they're still with a job they like and they can't do Roth conversions because there's no opportunity to take money out of the account and roll it into an IRA through an in-service distribution. So the only option they have is to roll the money into the 401k into the Roth account. But to do that, to avoid the 10% penalty, you're going to end up having to pay the taxes out of your personal taxable bucket. And most people don't have enough money inside of this bucket to really be able to pay for the associated costs that come with the taxes when this is being done. So another area, again, you want to talk to your HR department, find out more about. This is another area that you should look at when we look at original contributions. It's my recommendation that no one should contribute more into a 401k than the employer match. Now, if you've got excess amounts of money and you've already funded your IRA accounts or other accounts that you have available to you, maybe a life insurance retirement plan, the tax-free accounts that you've got available, yes, you may want to go back in and put more money into these plans. But the problem is, again, if you don't have in-service distributions, you're locking money up that may make it very difficult for you to eliminate the various risks that you're going to be facing during your retirement, and especially that tax rate risk, because that money may be stuck where you can't do those conversions. Another one is the distribution rules, the required minimum distribution rules. Most of you are aware that those have changed. The age now is age 72, not 70 and a half. The age now is 72. So you've got to be able to take those distributions out. They are going to be required for the rest of your life if you've got a traditional retirement account. They start out at about 3.91%, and then they're going to increase with your age. As you get into your 90s, you'll be up to 14 to 15% on your distribution amounts, but this is something you've got to take into consideration. And unfortunately, you can't just not take those distributions because if you do, 
and the IRS finds out you're going to end up with a 50% excise tax on the money you should have taken out. Plus, you're going to have to pay the various income taxes associated with that distribution. So if you were supposed to have taken out $15,000, you're going to have a $7,500 excise tax just to start with in addition to those other taxes. So this is not something you want to mess with. As you're approaching age 72, you want to make sure you understand the rules and the guidelines so you get the money out when you should so that you're not having issues. And the last one I want to talk about is an option that many people don't realize they have. If you're over age 55, 55 or older, and you get fired, you decide to leave your job, whatever reason you end up leaving the employment, you can take money out of the 401k plan you had at that job prior to age 59 and a half without penalty. So age 55 becomes the age for you to be able to take the money out of these accounts without having to pay that 10% early distribution penalty. Now, if you get another job, you can still take money out of the account that was from your last employer. And that's one of the keys to this strategy is it's got to be with the last employer you had once you turned age 55 that you ended up leaving their employment. So for a planning strategy, one of the things that I would recommend if you're looking at this in your own life and you realize you've got a bundle of assets in maybe even an old 401k plan that you would like to have access to and be able to do some conversions, be able to access some of the money to pay the tax, what you may want to do is prior to quitting or leaving that job or retiring there after age 55 is to roll in other accounts. Some 401k providers will allow you to roll in additional funds from the other retirement accounts you have. If they will, this could be a great strategy for you to roll those monies in, be able to get them into that employer account, then leave the employment sometime after age 55 and be able to get access to that money over the next five years while we have historically low tax rates to be able to distribute it out and have the excess money you'd need to pay the taxes without having to worry about that early distribution penalty. Prosperity Nation, I know I've covered a lot of information today regarding 401ks, but I did so because we do get a ton of questions on this product. I don't believe that people understand it the way they should. Hopefully today you've gotten some insights that can help you better understand your 401k so you can make better decisions and help get yourself to that safe and secure retirement that you're trying to get to. Prosperity Nation, it is time for questions and answers with our producer, C.R. Tallene. Here we are back Friday. Welcome, C.R. Glad to have you with us. Thanks, Dave. It's always so bizarre how quickly these weeks are flying by. It is. I feel like I'm in a whirlwind most times, just getting through a week, and all of a sudden I turn around, I'm back doing the same thing, and it's good because it's all fun, but it is amazing how fast time goes by. So, Dave, how did you survive tax part one? It it was not too bad, but that being said, I worked more than I have worked in the last decade probably. That was by choice, trying to make sure we're helping people, we're creating new content, working with retirement plans. But I will tell you that it has been very busy, very crazy. Well, anything new or exciting this week? We have my daughter's wedding coming up, so I will be going to Utah next week for it to make sure we get everything set up and put together. Looking forward to that. And then my daughter leaves our home here, my other daughter, to go on our mission to California this next week. So we are pretty busy trying to get everything organized with the events we've got upcoming. That's great. It seems like as it gets busier and busier as summer comes, just family-wise and travel-wise, and it's always hard to keep up with that and everything else that's going on. 
It definitely is. And you, you've got a son that's trying to finish out high school now. He, he's a runner. So you've got probably some busy times with track here over the next month or so, don't you? Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, the, earlier this week, we went to a, a track meet. They're pretty much every Saturday. So we start headed on Saturdays down to various parts of Southern Utah from places like Kenab or St. George. Uh, I mean, they're all over the place. We just try to keep up with that and keep up with graduation. And we just found out that my son was asked to be the valedictorian this year. So we're really excited about that. That is exciting. That was something that I was never even close to. My kids were closer. I think my son was like in the top three, but uh, that's exciting. Very exciting to see that he got to that point. Yeah, and it's going to be busy because he's also graduating from Dixie State University with his associates, and that's the exact day he's supposed to be running up at uh, Brigham Young University. So we're going to try to uh, go to his graduation. It's at 8 a.m. and try to drive all the way up four hours to to Provo to run there. So we'll see. (laughs) He's got to be one of the youngest kids to graduate from there. I'm not sure. There's a bunch of kids uh, that graduate from there, but uh, I don't know. He's he's just pushing a lot more than my my daughter did, and we're just proud because each one of them are unique, but it's fun to see. I graduated from there with my associate's degree back in 1989, and at the time, I think I was the youngest person to graduate from there in that period. Now, things have changed substantially, and you've got people now graduating out of high school, but I was uh, barely 18 at the time that I graduated from there. He's really excited. There's a lot of things coming. And then again, just like your daughter, he's going to be going the month after that to uh, head to California after he stays home or wherever he's going to be for that time. And then uh, we won't see him for two years. And then you become an empty nester. Isn't that great? Yeah, I've got a lot of projects I'm working on and I've been doing a lot more cooking recently just to see what I can do when it's my wife and I and how to balance that because you're used to cooking for a a group, now cooking for two. It's going to be a challenge. I think I need to invite you out here. I noticed that you'd built some sheds like a year ago out there for your farm. We've got to put a couple in here, but I need to get a construction guy that knows what he's doing. So I think I might have to have you come out here for a week. I built one that's still standing. So if that counts as knowing what I'm doing, I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, CR, why don't we go ahead and jump into this week's questions? All right, Dave, I have 20 questions like I normally do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I only have three. Don't worry, everyone. Some people might like that as we go through all these questions. (laughs) Well, if you want that many questions, you can jump on LinkedIn or find us on Facebook or YouTube because we do a lot of questions there. This This is just kind of a cream of the crop at the end of every week. Absolutely. All right, Dave, my first one from Michelle. She's asking, if you are currently in the 37% tax bracket, moving into the 39.6%, should a soon-to-be retiree wait to do Roth conversions? Should they take some cap gains at 23.8% if they are not going to be under $400,000 in retirement? Sorry, that was a long one. Well, wow, that was a long one. Let me t- let me try to address the first one to start with, and then we'll go into the second one. First part of that is for most people, no. If you're in that high of a bracket, chances are that you won't stay in there. Now, if you are going to stay in that bracket, uh, you may want to take money off the table now. But for most of you, again, you've got a five-year window. So let's take advantage of that five-year window once you get into those initial years of retirement. Now, when it comes to that capital gain situation, you're going to have to look at really what you're trying to accomplish. I'm not against people taking capital gains off the table right now before taxes potentially change for those making over $400,000, but it really should be done as part of an overall plan, just as the 
conversion should be done as part of an overall plan. You really want to put the math and science to your calculations and what you're trying to accomplish. And David, she's asking a soon-to-be-retiree waiting to do a Roth conversion. When is the, when is a good time to do the Roth conversion if we put Michelle in there or if we put yourself in there? For most people, the sooner the better, but that isn't always the case. And the reason for most people is because we've got such large brackets right now with historically low tax rates. January 1st, 2026, we're going to see those brackets shrink substantially and we're going to see tax rates go up. So for most people, the sooner the better. But we do have situations like this where someone's maybe at the top of their earning years and they're not spending all of that money. They're making substantial amounts, but they're not spending it. When they get in retirement, they're saying, hey, our income's going to drop down maybe a third because we've been saving so much of what we were earning or donating it to charities and we'll just use the money for ourselves. Those are the ones that we'd want to look at and say, yeah, maybe wait till you get out of that job and then we'll start doing these bigger conversions. And Dave, I see a lot of moving parts with Michelle here and it makes me a little nervous because uh, there's a lot of things that could be done here. And if it's not done properly or at the right time, it sounds like it could really hurt her retirement future. There are so many moving pieces. Now, depending on ages, we would want to look at the effect that would have on Medicare. We got a situation where we may be causing Medicare premiums to go up in a couple of years because of the conversions we're doing. All of these things need to be taken into consideration. Are there some effects some way that Social Security may have some effects with what you're doing? So all of these things we want to take into consideration as we go through the process. And like you said, with tax rates going up, this is ever-increasing issue that most people are going to deal with as we're moving forward into the future. Absolutely. All right, Dave, the next one I have from David, not from you, from another David. I always have to put that out there so we know you're not submitting your own questions. <laughs> <laughs> what percent of your portfolio should be kept in stocks in retirement? I understand that it's all in individual specific, but please provide general guidance. David, I'm glad you asked this question because we do have general guidance when we look at the amount that we should have principal protected and the amount that we should have exposed to the market. And it comes down to your age. What we want to do is take your age as a percentage of 100. So if you're 70 years old, we want 70% of that in principal protected products that can never lose money. And then the other 30%, you can expose to risk, put in the market and do what you'd like with it. Because between the two buckets, you should be able to get yourself to a situation where you can take the sequence of return risk off the table, but yet still get some decent returns on that money that's invested in the stock market. So if he's 55, for example, so would he have 55% in that principal protection? Yes, he would. And that's just, and if you're married, you're going to usually take a combination of ages. Now that could vary depending on your health situation and other facts and circumstances. But if let's say you're 62 and your your spouse is four years younger, they're at 58, we're going to try to look at about 60%. So we may be off a percentage or two, but that's a good guideline to getting yourself into principal protected products. And then the rest you're saying just throw into the market there. Yeah. And really, when you look at it, you can put it right into the stock market because that other 70% really is also working as part of your bond portfolio. So you really do have the freedom to shoot for the stars with that other 30%. All right, Dave, the one, next one I have from Gene, would you ever recommend not funding your 401k and using that money to do conversions? If most of your money is in the tax deferred bucket, once you are a few years away from retiring? Yes, I would. And especially for those under age 59 and a half, that would be subject to the penalties. Could be a great opportunity to get money transferred. Now, 
we've got to come down to your individual situation. But I was working on a case the other day where this was the right answer. Go ahead and take those dollars that would originally go into there because what you've got to realize too is if you're just, you may be just compounding the problem, especially if you're going back into the tax deferred bucket as you're trying to pull money out of the tax deferred bucket. Really, all you're doing is compounding the problem you're trying to solve. Dave, the one thing I wanted to ask with Gene's question is once you are a few years away from retiring, how dangerous is that when you're putting everything so close to retirement? It can be a real problem because you may be putting yourself into a situation where you're going to cause problems with your Medicare and those premiums. You may be in a situation where you don't have time to do the conversions without affecting your social security taxation and the provisional income. So you've really got to look at it. And I recommend for most people by age 50, you really should have a good plan of what you're doing. Now, you should have started saving for retirement far before age 50, but you'd really by age 50 need to have a good plan laid out to make sure you can do what you need to be doing prior to 65 or 70, whenever it is you're going to retire. And Dave, that is all the questions I have. I wish I had 20 more I could give you, uh, but I know you're getting ready for uh, a wedding as well. So I can't wait to hear about this because this is your first wedding and so I'm really excited to hear how, how this turns out. It is our first wedding, and it's my daughter getting married to my kidney donor son. So we are excited about that. I've not seen my donor since October 30th. Every year we do get together on our kidney anniversary, but it was done in 2019. So 2020 was the only time we had to get together, but we've not seen each other since. So I'm looking forward to seeing my donor and her husband, as well as having our kids have this opportunity to spend their lives together. Dave, I hope this turns into a book because this sounds like an exciting book already. It is. And I assume the story is going to continue to evolve and change. I joke with one of my sons. Now he's not old enough for this to really happen, but that he's going to be the roommate of their other son. He's getting ready to go off to college and my son's still in middle school. So that's not going to happen. We joke all the time that as the story moves on, they will be college roommates at some point in the future. Well, Dave, thanks for letting me be here and be part of the podcast. CR, it's been great having you here. Prosperity Nation, please take time for your retirement. Please take time to educate yourself, to put planning in place so that you can get to that safe and secure retirement that you're looking for. If you want tools to help you get there, if you'd like to sit down with me, all you got to do is go to my website at theprosperityguy.com where you'll be able to get everything you need to completely transform your retirement. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Prosperity Gap. To learn more about The Prosperity Guy, visit theprosperityguy.com and find out how you can get a tax-free and risk-free retirement.